You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Thanks for being so kind and just like the Father. It's kind. Thanks for being so honoring and made me tear up. <laughs> it's more of an accomplishment if you've made Lindsay tear up probably than me, but um, it's just such a privilege to be able to to do anything in the kingdom, right? I mean, to do anything. It's so, it's so easy in America to forget that in, in lots of other parts of the world, what we're doing freely on a daily basis with no persecution that others are, are paying for with their lives, or to take it even deeper and broader is that what we're getting to do currently others paid for with their lives from Jesus on through so many men and women have given their life for the gospel let's pray so father we thank you for we thank you for your presence in in worship that we're that we're on this great experiment of learning how to minister to your heart, camp out around, around your presence, and, and seeing what moves you. And thank you when we do that. It, even when we don't, we just get together and focus on you. Or you come. You always do. You always come. So we thank you for being present here right now. We just turn our attention, as we were singing, all our affection, we just turn towards you right now. Whatever you want to do in these next few moments that we spend together, whatever truth you want to divulge to us, whatever lies you want to destroy and replace with that truth, whatever kind of heart surgery we need, if any, whatever revelation that's going to help us to, to see more clearly who you are and who we are. We just ask that you come, Holy Spirit, and bring that as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you move us into a deeper place of the Father's heart today. That if we are, that you move us out of any type of lackadaisia type of Christianity into this rooted and grounded in love place that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus to the to be on the altar at all times because fire always falls on sacrifice. We want to always be in that place. We don't want to miss a moment with you. and We don't want to miss a moment with somebody that's standing in front of us. So we thank you that you make that real easy through lots of grace and lots of mercy. Thank you that the merciful Father is in the room today looking at your kids with love and mercy in your eyes. Some of us need to hear that. When he's looking at you, he's looking at you with eyes full of love and eyes full of mercy. Mercy and loving kindness. I know we sing about how we adore him, but you know, he says that same thing about us. He adores us. We are created in his image, in his likeness. We're created like him to be in relationship with him. Not just to be some pawn or somebody who just serves him, but to actually intimately know him. <laughs> so thank you, Father, that we, we get to intimately know the creator of the universe. <laughs> so thanks that we're going to know you a little bit better before the day's over. And thank you. In worship, I saw this wave. It's getting closer. We talk about it. We sing about it. Here comes another wave. I see it. It was really close. It was like we were on the beach and the wave was just feet from the shore. So I thank you, Father, that you've positioned us with so much of the body of Christ worldwide to be hit by this next great wave of, of revival that, that we believe is going to turn into reformation. 
So we thank you for all that in Jesus' name. turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> if you've never been in a place where it's appropriate or you're given the freedom, or both, to laugh when God's presence is present, I sincerely apologize for somewhat of a bummer that somebody may have inadvertently given you <laughs> through good people that just might have bad theology. It says fullness of joy is in God's presence. I just think that sometimes, not always, I don't want to explain away the moment. I mean, but the Bible, I just go back to the word. What's the word say? The word must always trump my experience. Even if I've had bad experience with people that don't, that don't see, you know, they think it's all fun and games. Well, I'll tell you, God takes joy seriously. And God's serious and fun and faithful and kind and loving and good all at the same time. Sometimes we move from one thing to the next as if we can only demonstrate one emotion at a time. We were actually created to do everything from a place of joy and so when we see people laugh, we believe that it's an emotional response. What if it was actually a response to both the healing presence of a good father that wants us to be whole and the love of the father who is actually penetrating our hearts and causing us to be more like children in the kingdom, like Jesus said, you, unless you become like one of these, talking about little children, you will not see the kingdom. He didn't say you wouldn't inherit the kingdom the way that he says it in other places in, in, in the New Testament. First Corinthians uh, talks about that. Uh, Romans talks about the kind of people that won't inherit the kingdom. That means they won't go to heaven, right? That's a very serious issue. But when Jesus is talking about you won't see the kingdom... Is he talking about that we wouldn't be able to actually see what he was doing on earth and be able to, because you need to see it to partner with it. You see through eyes of faith, not the natural eyes. What if constantly he's trying to transform the way that we see and we think? I believe that to be true. I believe that's the foundation of everything that we are in Christianity. Everything that we, let me say it like this. I believe it's the foundation of everything in Christianity is the transformation of our thinking. So much of what I don't understand, like, I mean, I was just recently, I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I'm trying to comprehend a revelation that I may get to share with you today <clears throat> that I'm getting. It stems from Ephesians, Ephesians 1, but it takes us all the way back to the beginning of creation. And, and I'm, I'm trying to comprehend it through my intellect. And I'm like, I can't understand this. I know it, it in my heart. I'm getting it. I'm, like, I know it's truth. Truth from the word, not fact. Remember, facts are the lowest form of truth. They'll never change your life. There's so much information that is fact out there. Some of what we all learned in, in different, well, actually much of what we probably learned in school, in different schools, and I'm not put, putting down a academia, it's important and it has its place, but there are things that we learn from that, that place that will never change our lives. 
It may help me be more effective in my position. It may help me be more effective in social justice issues or in whatever God's called me to, created me for, but it will never actually bring transformation to my life that's lasting. Even if I'm, I have an emotional response that I'm passionate about something, doesn't mean that it's going to change my life. It won't change my life. It won't change somebody else's. And the whole reason that, that we're here is to be able to be a response to love so that others are transformed by the very thing that we're being transformed by. Or better said, be transformed by the very one we're being transformed by. Joy is just the starter of people who are created to bring change to the earth that look like the Father. I must demonstrate him in all his serious love and loving kindness and, and happiness. And uh, Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to give you the liberty to be you in, in our environment. We're not afraid of a mess. If you make a mess, we'll teach you how to clean it up. It's called empowering people, right? When any of your kids were learning to walk or your, grand or your nephews or nieces or your friend's kids, if you don't have kids, you know, when, they fell, when the first time they fell down or the 10th or 15th or 20th, 50th time they fell down, you never said, I can't believe you can't walk yet. <laughs> you might as well give up. Right? It's a, the Christian journey is an, is an experiment of, of, through intimacy of finding out who God is and in turn finding out who we are. Just don't be too serious all the time, right? <laughs> there are serious moments that require, require a whole other level of mercy and, and kindness and goodness that can only be dis displayed through the heart of the Father. I don't personally, some of you that work with, what if you work with children or you work in the medical industry or you work with kids in any, any level or, you know, just depending on where you work, there are, you've learned that you don't actually have the physical capacity to give the people what they need. You can be nice to them, but eventually you get wore out because it drains you, right? You only have so much. When I come to the end of myself, I find out actually what I actually what I'm supposed to be displaying, which is his heart. Doesn't mean that we don't get to partner with that, but it does mean that I need in those serious moments, I need to be able to display his loving kindness, not mine. I need to be able to display his love, his compassion, his mercy. Everything in the kingdom's upside down. And so when I am actually getting inebriated by the presence of God in those moments. These things that you hear people say about us, of what we've been able to do and be a part of in their lives or demonstrate in their lives, it came from a moment that looked ridiculous. It started, I should say, in a moment that looked ridiculous to everybody else. Probably about seven years ago, yeah, six and a half, I was back there on the floor, stuck. just wiped out by the presence of God. God was doing things in me that I didn't know needed to happen. So sometimes it looks ridiculous to everybody else when you're laughing. Or I'll tell you this, that don't ever judge somebody's encounter just the way you should never judge the way somebody worships. You have no idea what they've been set free from. You have no idea what they've been through, what God's brought them from, Right? Because sometimes they display their gratefulness through their worship. So I'm looking to encounter him regardless. I prayed a prayer that night on the, way, on the way to class, on the way to school, ministry school. I prayed a prayer and I said, God, I'd rather have more of you than my dignity. Or what I thought was dignity. <laughs> Set me up. He set me up. It messed me up forever. And now because of that encounter and several other encounters that have looked similar at times, 
I'm able to demonstrate the heart of the Father in moments where otherwise I have nothing for them. I've sat in front of people and they've told me their story and what's going on in their life. I'm like, I'm talking to the Holy Spirit as they're talking to me, you know. I'm like, I got, if you, if you don't give me something, I, have no, I literally have nothing for them. Now, what do, you, what do you do when you run out of options to, to be able to help somebody? All right, you find that out in the hospital, right? Sometimes you run out of options. You don't have. Medical science hasn't gotten that far yet. All right, counseling can't, you know, it's like you can't, you can't heal things through counseling sometimes, like trauma. There are certain trauma and experiences people have. You just can't get there, right? So what happens when we come to the end of our resources? It has to be God. It has to be God that intervenes. And so those encounters that we have that demonstrate his heart sometimes look ridiculous to everybody else. But I had to make up in my mind at times. It doesn't mean those thoughts don't still come of what did they think? What did they think of me? But eventually you'll come to the end of yourself, so to speak, and you'll quit caring in a good way, not with a bad attitude. But you'll quit caring what they think because you'll, you'll realize that what things that we're realizing is that when I encounter him, he's doing something. Remember, maturity asks why I'm having the encounter. Why, why is God's presence overtaking me like this? There's something I'm always asking when God starts, when I start to encounter, encounter God. And it looks different for all of us, so it doesn't have to look for you the way that it looks for me. Just encounter him. I, I don't care what it looks like. It may not look like anything to anybody else, and it may be the biggest life change you've ever had that's happening on the inside. Uh, so maturity, and immaturity, I always ask, what are you doing? Transforming me. I know you're doing something. I'm just curious as to what. All right, what's this going to result in? What kind of fruit is this going to result in? And in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now, when there's a legacy left of fruit, in somebody's life, you just can't argue with it, right? <laughs> so we're looking for encounters that result in fruit. But encounters also must result in me knowing more who I am, which brings the greatest amount of fruit in my life. I used to be so uptight and so serious because I was... <clears throat> Like I said, it was all the time, though. It wasn't just some of the time when serious moments were happening. It was all the time. And I thought I should only cry. It was only appropriate to cry if I was encountering the Lord. And I still cry, often, all the time. Commercials, <laughs> cartoon movies. You can see the gospel in anything, you know, right? I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's just Jesus. Can you see it? <laughs> Lindsay's shaking her head back there right now as she shakes her head at me as that's happening. That's because he's, give, he's giving me eyes to see, right? You can see him, you can see him everywhere in all of, all of creation. Oh, I just want to, just want more. More of, more of him. Me to look like more of him. It's more like it. So Ephesians chapter 1. You know what? I'm going to take you back to Genesis first. many things up here. Genesis chapter 1, you don't, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. But. All right. I get 24 minutes. That introduction was longer than I thought it'd be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That one. I'm, kidding. I'm not kidding about the 24 minutes, but I'm kidding about the introduction. Verse 26, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. You know who he's talking about right there? He said, Let us make man in our image, man in our likeness. Him, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are having a conversation, right? The Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are having a conversation right there. 
No, angels weren't in on that conversation. I'm supposed to look like them. They just come and serve and minister. And just to bring clarity there. So God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. And over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right. That's this conversation that we get the privilege of looking into and reading into or looking into and seeing that God, God's plan was to create mankind, male and female, not one or the other, but he created them male and female to live together in unity, side by side, not one in front of the other or one lording over the other, but actually to, to be able to show the completeness of the image of God, we need both man and woman side by side with each other. That's why there's no greater picture of marriage or no greater picture of what the father looks like than when man and woman come together and get married. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> Jesus is so good. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not going to, if you needed that to be grammatically appropriate English for you. <laughs> I like I'm not gonna better, but. <clears throat> so God created us to be like Him. And mankind messed up, both Adam and Eve right? Adam's mess up was bigger than Eve's because Eve believed a lie. Adam actually chose. Adam wasn't there on the conversation. Eve chose to believe a lie that the serpent had told her about being that your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Well, they were already created to be like God. So she bought into something that wasn't true. And ever since then, mankind has had lies that have been breathed into our understanding and into our mind that now when the gospel came, that the responsibility of truth is to unravel all those lies and bring us into what is actually true that started from before the foundation of the world. I'm going to take you on a quick journey from the, before the foundation of the world to present time. Are you ready? Put your seatbelt on. So we were created to be like him. Let's go to Ephesians 1 now. This is going to be so good. Let me throw this in there for every parent. Disobedient children are not a shot to your parenting. For those of you that have small children, I know you think that they'll never make poor choices. And if they ever make just one or two... <laughs> then this will help you. <laughs> Call that delusional parenting. <laughs> Not for everybody. But we all make choices as we're growing up, and sometimes they, they stem and spiral into poor choices one after another after another, and some people actually stop after one or two, right? It just depends on who you were. I didn't know how to stop. And so I made a bunch of poor choices, and they spouted into more poor choices, which then pointed to a lot of times what you do as a parent is you blame yourself. But if disobedient children were a, result of, a direct result of bad parenting, then what's that say 
about God. Adam and Eve were, direct, were disobedient, and it had nothing to do with his parenting. Just wanted to help you out, that's all. Yeah. <clears throat> it set me free. I felt freedom when I, when I, when I heard that, when I, I thought about that, when I meditated on that. I'm like, this is amazing. Freedom. <laughs> I could hear Mel Gibson. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Ephesians chapter one, verse three, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Heavenly places in Christ. Pay attention to the language here, okay? Bless us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's a lot, but I'm going to read one more verse. Having predestined us to adoptions, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, to himself. That's a lot of goodness, right? Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then he chose us at the same time. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, without blame, blameless, faultless, whatever translation you like best. It all means the same thing. Before him in love. So check this out. How, how does this happen? How is it possible for God to choose me before the foundation of the world, give me all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, and, and, and then in that very moment, he sees me as pure and holy and blameless before him in love. How's that take place? If the cross didn't happen for thousands of years after the beginning of time, how did it take place before? Because in, in God's mind, it actually happened before time. Let me help you. So when somebody gets healed, somebody gets physically healed in that moment, or, or they give their life to Jesus, whatever you like best, you know? I know that giving their life to Jesus, I'm just trying to make it easy for you, trying to make it, you know, to where you can understand it. So if they give their life to Jesus in that moment, or they get physically healed in that moment, there's something miraculous that happens in that moment. It wasn't because something happened again on the cross. It was because the cross came to be present in this moment, right now. Or they went back figuratively to the cross in that moment, however you like to say it. I like it better that the cross came into this moment and became present. Jesus' blood was not, did not have to be shed again. It was shed once for all time. One drop of his blood would have done everything that, that it needed to do. He bled a whole lot more than that for, for, for you and I, but it was one drop of his blood, and one drop of his blood was... Are you getting this? Seriously, I'm not looking for a response. I want to know if this really is making sense. So just like that, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. In who? In Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Jesus doesn't have a last name like Moses. I'm being, I know it's funny, but I'm being serious, right? Christ means the anointed one. I think it's really important that we teach the basic principles of the gospel because it's so easy to glaze over them and think, or, or to just graze over them and think people just get it. Well, if, if, we, if, if I really got it, I'd look, more, I'd look more like him. And so if I don't look more like him or just like him, then I'm still not completely getting it. I'm getting it at some level. And so we need review. If I think I can't learn something from the basic principles of, of 
Christianity, the identity and, and the gospel, then I've, I've fooled myself. And, and I've, I've, I've been there before, so. So how was Christ before the foundation of the world? Let me show you in the Bible. Revelations 13, 8. 13, 8, and I got 13 minutes. Ah, okay. <laughs> All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life, of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Remember, you won't take this in through your intellect. You take this in through your spirit and it'll change your mind. I've got so much more that I want to share. <clears throat> so Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's how we can be chosen in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame. Because in that moment, he saw it all accomplished. Before Adam and Eve were here, before the earth was created, the father plans it. I see it this way, that he plans it in that moment. Let us create man in our image, mankind in our likeness, so that they have dominion. He already knew in his mind that mankind was going to mess up and give their dominion away to the enemy. Right? He, gave, he, he usurped the authority of man that God gave Adam and Eve, and then he had authority from that time all the way until Jesus came. So was he, <laughs> he sees from beginning to end everything in between, right? We get that. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And so he sees thousands of years into the future and realizes this is what I see when he's talking about this. I see that when he says we're chosen in him before the foundation of the world because of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, that actually the generation that he's really focused on in that moment, not saying he wasn't focused on the rest, is the generation after Jesus paid for what we could walk in. Because they didn't walk in their authority up until Jesus, except for a select few, the ones the Holy Spirit came on. Kings, priests, and prophets. And there were some other ones that the Spirit of God would come on in, in moments like that, and whatever, sovereignly, and a couple laborers in there, blacksmith, you know, had the Holy Spirit. It's true. This is what I'm getting to. If you saw me as holy, if you saw me as blameless, if he, if he chose me in him before the foundation of the world to be like Christ, to be in Christ, and he gave me all of the spiritual blessings of heaven already, where are they? Where's the holiness that I have that he saw me as? Where's the blamelessness? Where is, right? Where's the perfection that he sees that he saw and has seen since the beginning of time, where is it located at? I'm trying to make this practical, right? It's, it's, it can be a challenging to make something that seems this deep practical, but I'm going to give it my best shot. We are triune beings. We're three parts. That's interesting, isn't it? They're three in one. We're three in one. <laughs> <clears throat> so we're spirit, we're soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. When you say the soul, you're talking about all three of those things. Our mind, our will, and our emotions are all in our soul. And then we have a body, physical body. So when we give our lives to Jesus, what, where, spirit, where the Spirit of God comes is into our spirit, right? And so right there in our spirit, in that moment, 
It's impossible for our spirit to have anything to do with sin. It's completely sanctified, completely holy. It is literally the new holy of holies in the tabernacle. It is. We've actually become walking, talking, holy of holies, tabernacles, however you want to put it. Probably better to put it tabernacle. So then... So you can't be any more saved than what you were the moment you said yes to Jesus. But it, st- but it doesn't end there. It actually starts there. It doesn't end there because God's only goal wasn't to get me to heaven. Even though I'm thrilled with that. But his goal was, to, was for me to become everything that he saw me as before the foundation of the world. That's why he sent Jesus. To break the power of sin... That man could walk in the dominion that God talks about in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Still his plan. He never negated it. Never, never was like, ah, let's scrap that one. They messed up. It was always his plan. How do we know it's always his plan? Because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That means he had this all planned out. Shows us a few amazing things that God's not scared of messy people. That's why he tells it all in the Bible. Right? That's why he had them write it the way. Holy Spirit had, had man write it the way that it's written. doesn't hide messes. So what if my Christian life now actually becomes more about discovery than anything else? For years, I was trying to get my breakthrough. Just... Press on, get your breakthrough, get your, you know what I mean? I love it. Breakthrough's amazing. But what if all the things I was trying to get externally were already on the inside of me? And it was really about uncovering what's already there. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places are, are mine in Christ Jesus. I'm in him. He's in me. So I have all of the spiritual blessings. I know there can be increase in anointing, the presence of God we carry, but I believe all that comes through breakthrough of the transformation of my mind. So the number one priority is the way that I see it after I come into a relationship with him, that I learn intimacy as my, my heart's cry or what I was designed for, is that everything that's in my spirit is my mind is supposed to, my mind, will, and emotions are supposed to become subject to the spirit of God and my spirit because that's where it's holy. And then my body actually comes in line underneath third so that neither one of those two things control me any longer the way that I don't live by my feelings until my feelings get realigned and readjusted or completely made over through truth. said all that in three minutes. <laughs> we have, I don't have time to read it. We, I'll, I'll show you where it's at. I'll give, you some, I'll give you some homework. I'll read this to you though. In Colossians 2, 3, it says, In him, talking about Christ, lie hi- hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let's say it out of the Passion Translation. For our spiritual wealth is in Christ, like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. We got to get this, like me included. That's why I said we. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the whole chapter is, is amazing. I want to read you a, a couple snippets out of it. So if all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ, and I'm in him, because I finally said yes to what he planned, to me for, planned for me, you and I, all of the world, if I'm already in him, then all the treasure... All the treasures not far away. Yeah. Right? I'm not trying to obtain it. I'm trying to, this is, there's f- so much freedom. <laughs> I'm not trying to get to it. 
You see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just trying to help you with what I've walked through for five, six, seven years of Christianity of I'm trying to obtain something, constantly trying, pressing in, pray harder, work harder. I still pray hard. I still contend. I still sit before the word of God, hang out in his presence. I still have all the spiritual disciplines that I did then, but now I do it from a different perspective. Because if I would have done that for the rest of my Christian life, I would have been trying to obtain something that he already made available to me and gave to me through the Spirit of God on the inside of me currently. It's there. And so this is how I see it. In him, all those things are hidden. And so when my mind, my will, and emotions become subject to the Spirit of God that's in me, when my soul is actually submitted to the Spirit of God, then it starts to uncover things that I've believed about God and I've believed about myself that are not true. It's the basis of, I'm redefining what sozo ministry is for us, inner healing ministry. It's the basis of discipleship. Inner healing ministry is an extension of discipleship. It is Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I transform my mind? I get rid of lies and replace them with truth. Here, let me drop one more thing to you real quick. I just don't want us to overcomplicate it. I overcomplicated it for years because I was a doer, hard worker. The guy you didn't want to be with in the gym. They called me things I won't say publicly when my workout partners did. It just, you know. It's just the kind of person I was, but it was all out of a heart of performance. It was all trying to be better than, look better, be stronger. I was always trying to achieve something. And so then it came into the kingdom with me, and I kept trying to work hard and achieve something. I'm not saying the work isn't hard at times, but it comes from rest when I realize who I am in him. So it won't burn me out, mess me up. 1 Corinthians 2. I'll close with this. I want to, I want to close with the whole chapter, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to read a couple. I'm going to do something that I do not encourage you to do when you're teaching the Bible. I'm going to take a couple scriptures out of this one chapter and, and share them with you, okay? They're not out of context. Please read 1 Corinthians 2, and you'll see they're not out of context. I do not. It is not good hermeneutics or homiletics. It is not good theological, sound theological teaching like that. <clears throat> I'm trying to get away from much of things I learned in different places. But as it was written, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. But... God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. I'm just going to have to read the rest. I'm sorry. <clears throat> now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. It's amazing. <laughs> Whew, I'm glad my dad welded this. <laughs> Tell me that's not discovery. They've been freely given to us by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, or be given to us by the Father. The Spirit of God actually teaches me what's already been given to me. <sighs> okay, I'll finish. Uh, 
Verse 13, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Remember earlier when I was talking about trying to process truth for my intellect, my understanding? When I try to process the things of God, God, or biblical truth through my understanding, I will always err on the side of it being foolishness because they cannot be received by the natural man through the natural mind. I've got good news for you. We're going to keep reading. But he who is spiritual judges all things. This is verse 15. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Listen to the language there. What's that word have mean? It, I, know, I know it's complicated. But I'm, being, I'm being a little sarcastic and cheeky. I'm sorry. I know people don't usually look, ask you for an answer. It's not a dialogue on Sunday morning sermons, but literally, what, what, does, what does have mean? In, in, at what time? Now. We have the mind of Christ. So I'll tell you that a lot of my thinking still is not through the mind of Christ. <laughs> and if you're being honest, you would say, you know, I could pick out times in the day that my thinking is not through the mind of Christ. Because I look at the life of Jesus and I get a glimpse into how he responded, how he lived, how he loved, how he had compassion, how he was merciful, how he, how he was selfless, how he never made it about him. It was always about others. Right, so I'm not thinking with the mind of Christ. The Christ is the anointed one. Who was he when he was on earth? The Christ. He was the anointed one. That gives me a glimpse into the way that my thinking is supposed to be. And so that means that I currently possess the mind of Christ. Let me propose this to you. What if in that self-discovery, in the discovery of, of, of me learning more of who I am, by partnering with the Holy Spirit, having an intimate relationship with Him, with the Father through Him, with Jesus. What if in that discovery that one of the main and most important things that I was supposed to discover is the mind of Christ that I already have inside me? It seems like to me that if I was going to live like Him, Having his mind would be pretty important. And so this is what I'm currently working on. No, when I say working, I don't mean trying to achieve. Working in this context denotes that I am learning. This is what I'm currently learning in my Christian journey as a son. I'm learning to allow the Spirit of God in me. Let me say it like this. I'm learning to submit or put under authority of my soul to the Spirit of God. And then my body following that so that I can discover more things that I, of ways that I don't believe like Him so that those Parts of my mind can be replaced with the mind of Christ. It's all about us coming into our identity after we've gotten to who it's all about. It's all about Jesus, right? And then from that point, as I continue to focus on him through intimacy and relationship with him. That self-discovery will happen if I make that my focus of my life. I don't believe that it has to take 
15, 20, 30, 40 years. Same with inner healing, right? We've talked about that. I know that it can be a very accelerated process that depends a lot on my intentionality and my discipline as a Christian. How often am I sitting? Because how am I going to know what truth is? I know I'm over time. How am I going to know what truth is? It's wonderful to listen to worship music, right? I love it. It's my go-to. I listen to, I listen to music while I read. Some people, you know, Lindsay's like, I don't know how you do that. I'm like, I've done it for lots of years because I lived in loud places. And you had to listen to music while you read. <laughs> and so you just learn to do it. So I have worship music on all the time. I do. But if all I do is that, I'll be a lopsided Christian who may have encounters, but I'll never have anything to base my encounter off of. And the only thing I can base my encounter off of is his word. My whole life is based off of this right here. And so what's most important for me? What if we did this? What if my new worship was no longer was no longer music related as much as it is just sitting before the word of God and reading the truth about what he says about me. This is the only thing that's going to stand the test of time. You're going to see lots of stuff in this life as a Christian. Some amazing and some not so. You'll find out the only thing that stands the test of time is this, this word, this Bible right here. It's the only place I'm going to find out what he says about me. If he ever says something to me in the secret place or in prayer, directly to me, because God still speaks, right? hope we all agree on that. God still speaks because that's what relationship involves. But anything that he says to me, I'm going to have to be able to see it in here. That's how, I, that's how it actually, so when God speaks something to me about me, recently he said this, you know, he's, he's like, I want you to, I want your, this is your new assignment, your life to become worship to me, your whole life, everything you do. I'm like, don't know exactly what that looks like, Jesus. He says, don't worry, I'll show you. But I go to the Word, and I go into Romans 12, and I can see where what he said to me lines up with, with truth. With this, be your spiritual, your, your living sacrifice, be living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so I'm like, yeah, that's the Word. That was Jesus. There's other identifiers. He's kind, he's good, it'll always pull me closer to him. Anytime he speaks, it'll always pull me closer to him. If it shames me or condemns me or, or guilts me or makes me afraid, not him. Not him. He doesn't, he doesn't talk to his kids like that. You wouldn't talk to your kids like that, right? At least we're not supposed to. Everything we do is supposed to not withdraw our love for them, but actually, even if it is scaring us in a moment, but you can't scare him because he's perfect love, but we're supposed to pull them in closer even when we're afraid of their behavior. And so even when, when he doesn't like our behavior, he pulls us in closer because he realizes what's going to trade for us. If you would stand with me. Thanks for hanging out with me a little bit longer. Than... I just want us to be a people who fall in love with truth. The truth. The Bible. The, the Bible the biblical truth. We have the freest country in the world when it comes to this particular, to this book right here, this book of life. We have the freest country in the world. We have more ways to access this than ever before. I have no excuse. I can listen to it. It, I can, it can read to me in 30, 40, 50 different translations, different languages, I, can, I wouldn't understand it, but I'd still be getting truth. I don't know how that helped me, but maybe it would. <sighs> but I have access to the Word of God every moment of every day. 
in this coming move of God that's here but still coming, it's the language we use, there's a whole lot more. It will be absolutely essential that what we do, what we live from is rooted and grounded in this book right here. Because if it's not, then what will happen will not be lasting fruit. Because the encounters and the angelic visitations and all those amazing things are not what's supposed to sustain us. The word of God, living, active, and powerful, is supposed to be everything that energizes my soul, my spirit, my body. It's supposed to be everything to me. Let's pray. I'm sure I could talk to you all day about this. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, I just ask that you come right now. I pray for every person that's, that listens to this or that's in this room that every one of us would fall in love with, with the Word of God. That every, every one of us would, it would be simultaneous as we fall in love with you, that we fall in love with, with truth. As we fall in love with the person of truth, that we fall in love with the, the word that's truth. <laughs> that each one of us will set up spiritual disciplines in our life that will help us to discover everything that you've already made accessible to us. Everything that you've already freely given us. Everything that's inside of us and in Christ where we are currently located that you'd help us to digest that particular truth through our spirit into our mind so that it, it releases more of the mind of Christ, so that it transforms more of, of our minds and helps us to see you and us properly. It helps us to understand who we are as sons and daughters, who you are as a good father, helps us to walk in everything that you planned before the foundation of the world. Everything that Jesus paid for before the foundation of the world. <laughs> yes. Yes, Abba. Father. Yeah. Overhaul us with truth. Help our lives become worship to you and everything that we do. Thank you that you're preparing us for more. That you're so merciful that you haven't given us everything that you want to because it wouldn't have been a blessing. Probably would have crushed us. So we thank you that as everything that you have is coming closer for the earth, not just for us, for the body, for all the planet that we're going to get to be a part of it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, help us to get back to the foundational things. Things that got us here. Help us to do review of who we are as sons and daughters so that we can see more of the truth about us, about you. Help us to get excited about your word again. Excited about you. Excited about this life with you. Yeah. Whatever you get excited about, you activate. Just want to activate truth as we get excited about it. So know it's going to change us. So I just release peace all over the room right now. I release peace on every person. Peace, 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 peace. Peace be made whole. In Jesus' name, peace. Peace, 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 peace. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can start coming forward for prayer if you need it. Go ahead and prayer servants, if you would, please. Peace. Thank you. Thanks, Jesus.
If you're fasting still, thank you for embarking on this. What some have said are the longest 40 days of their life. (laughs) Make sure you're taking care of yourself physically. We'll be here February 5th. Is that right? That Wednesday. That's when we break the fast. Every time I see that on my calendar, all I see is breakfast. (laughs) I'm like, no, not yet, Lord. I know. But your servant is listening. I know you've stored up good things for me. It includes... Yes. I hear you, Lord. Um, Be here at 6.30 for our our regular Wednesday night worship and and Bible study, and we'll take communion together uh, in worship. So we want to break it as as a family. Life of love, our, our extension of Revive the World, Jason and Shelley, there will be a group of them that will be here that night because they're also fasting with us. Um, it'll be amazing. So yes, God, to more breakthroughs while we're fasting, more transformation. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but this is resulting a whole lot more than I anticipated, and I'm grateful. So thank you guys for being here. We love you. We bless you. Please come get prayer if you need it. Guys, have an amazing day. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.